0: Christine Sufchuk, and today we're going to be talking about the basics of pediatric blood gas. Joining us, we have Dr. David Greenkey, who is an emergency medicine fellow. Thank you, Dr. Greenkey, for being here. Thanks for having me. He is going to help us guide this discussion through pediatric blood gas. As an emergency medicine fellow, you know, he is kind of a pro at this stuff, and he has some really good tips that he has to share with us today. So first, let me ask you, how do you think about blood gases?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I think this is a topic that a lot of people shy away from and get scared of because there's a lot of numbers and uh, you have to interpret them clinically and and people just tend to get put off by it. But actually, I think it's actually not so complicated if you just break it down. And it's actually kind of fun. And so number one, the way I think about it is that it's all about the balance of hydrogen ions in the body. And when that balance gets off kilter, bad things happen. So your body has a lot of mechanisms in place to keep the hydrogen ions within a very tight range. If they get too off balance, either too many or too little, bad things happen. Arrhythmias, uh, seizures, coma, you name it, all sorts of bad stuff that we don't want to happen. So how does your body do this? Well, basically uh, your body has developed a mechanism to keep the pH, which is basically a proxy for the number of hydrogen ions in your body, within a very tight range. And this is done by your lungs and your kidneys. Your kidneys are able to excrete hydrogen ions into the urine and they're able to resorb bicarb. Mm -hmm. That's one way. And then your lungs uh, essentially blow off CO2 and water, hydrogen ions being in the water. So uh, your body's really, really good at this. I already mentioned the normal range for the pH let's talk about the other two components of a blood gas. You have the CO2 and you have the bicarb. And the numbers I'm going to be giving you today are arterial blood gas, but often you'll get a cap gas or a venous gas. And you should just know that the numbers are going to be very, very similar. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage everyone to write these down at home too, to, um, be able to see them as we're going through some of the scenarios later on. So again, I'll just repeat the pH. Um, Normal pH is between 7.35 and 7.45. Normal uh, CO2 is between 35 and 45 millimeters of mercury. And then normal bicarb is between 21 and 27.
0: Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about um, interpreting a pediatric blood gas, do you have like a go-to approach or, you know, how do you, when you're sitting in the emergency department and you have Um, a bunch of kids that you are managing, you know, what is your go-to way to interpret a pediatric blood gas?
1: So it's really pretty simple. I use five steps. And if I go through these five steps every time, I'm going to understand what the blood gas is telling me and hopefully what's going on in the patient. Okay. So the first thing I do is I simply look at the pH. Is the pH normal or is it showing me an acidosis or is it showing me an alkalosis? The second thing I do is I look at the CO2. Is that high, low, or normal? The third thing I do is I look at the bicarb. Is that high, low, or normal? The fourth thing I do is looking at the CO2 and the bicarb, which one accounts for the abnormality in the pH.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And then the last thing I do is I look at the other number and I see if that's normal or not. And that tells me if there's compensation, if the body's compensating for that derangement of the pH.
0: Gotcha. And so if there is compensation, that tells you...
1: So if there's compensation, it tells you that it's probably a more chronic problem. Okay. If there's no compensation, it's likely a more acute problem. Okay. And there's one really important thing to keep in mind here. The body will never compensate to a normal pH. So if you have a derangement in your bicarb and your CO2, but the pH is normal, you have to know that there's probably two separate processes going on that is not compensation.
0: Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I think this is awesome. As medical students who want to go into pediatrics and as interns all the way up through third year of residency, you encounter blood gases over and over in the clinical setting. And it really helps if something acute is happening and you're worried about your patient that you can have this kind of fallback where you have this five-step process. You could go through the same way every time and know that by the time you've completed those five steps, you have a good understanding of what is going on with your patient. Exactly. So let's go through a couple scenarios um, and kind of practice this five-step method. Sounds good to me. Uh, The first one is a resident is called overnight. This is something that happens all the time. All the time. Um, And called overnight to see a previously healthy 15-month-old male who is admitted for bacterial pneumonia. Um, He's on two liters nasal cannula and has some worsening work of breathing. Uh, and the nurse calls you and uh, and asks you to come assess the patient. Okay. The blood gas shows a pH of 7.47, a CO2 of 30, and a bicarb of 23.
1: Okay, got it. All right, so pH of 7.47. So is that showing us an alkalosis or an acidosis, or is that normal?
0: So 7.47, that's a little high. It's a little bit above the... Uh, normal range. So I would call that an alkalosis.
1: Okay. And then the CO2, is that low or is it high or is it normal? 30.
0: So 30 would be a little bit low. Um, so in my head, I would be thinking, okay, this is a kid who has some alkalosis and the acid is low. So then you move on and you do the third step, which is to look at the bicarb. The bicarb in this patient is 23 23 is a normal number for bicarb, so they have a normal base. Uh, and then we would move on and compare the two numbers and see which one matches with the pH. So a low acid would match with our alkalotic pH. Um, and so that's how we know that this is a patient who has a respiratory alkalosis. They're breathing off their CO2.
1: Exactly. And this makes sense because we already knew that the patient was breathing breathing hard. So the last thing we do is we check to see if there's compensation. So we go back to the bicarb. The bicarb is 23. That's within normal range. So there's no compensation. So this is likely an acute problem because, by the way, it takes time for the body to compensate.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if this is a patient who's been admitted for, let's say, 24 hours for this bacterial pneumonia, um, that could be your first sign that this is a patient who may be getting a little worse.
1: Yep. Keep a close eye on this one. Mm
0: hmm. Um, All right. Next up. Our next scenario is a five-year-old female. She presents to the emergency room with two weeks of bedwetting, weight loss, and increased thirst. And on physical exam, you notice that her breathing is labored.
1: This is another one that we see quite a lot of.
0: Mm -hmm. So you get a blood gas on this patient, and you note that the pH is 7.19, the CO2 is 28, and the bicarb is 12.
1: Got it. Okay, let's look at the pH. So 7.19, is that showing us an acidosis, an alkalosis, or is that normal?
0: So 7.19 is an acidosis. Then we would move on and look at the CO2, which is 28. Yep. CO2 is uh, low because the lower limit of normal for CO2 is 35. Correct. Um, so this is an acidosis and the level of acid in the blood is low. So that doesn't really make sense. Then so we move on and we look at the bicarb next. Bicarb is 12. This is also low. Pretty low. And between those two numbers, the low base would better explain a pH that is acidotic. And by what I mean by that is the total body level of base being low uh, accounts for this patient being in an acidotic state.
1: So this patient has ketoacidosis. Yes. So there's, there's acid in the blood that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And that's what the low bicarb is showing you. Mm -hmm. And then we go ahead and look at the last step to see if there's compensation. So uh, the CO2 is low. uh, So that means the body is compensating by breathing off that extra hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And so we know this is not an acute problem.
0: Right. This is a more chronic problem. And that makes sense, right? I mean, this is a patient who certainly looks like she is presenting with new diagnosis type 1 diabetes, and her breathing is labored, which is telling us that as she has this ongoing underlying process that's creating this acidosis in her body, she's trying to compensate by breathing off that um, CO2, just as you were saying. Exactly. Next scenario is one that I really love. It's a five-week-old male. He presents to the emergency department with projectile vomiting and poor weight gain for the past week. No fever, no infectious symptoms just vomiting. And on exam, he's really hungry appearing.
1: This is one that we see all the time in the boards. And guess what? We see it in real life too. And it's always a bit surprising when we do, but it's always kind of fun because mm-hmm. it's something that we can diagnose and then the and surgeon then, can go and fix it.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. So first things first, we get a blood gas on this patient. We note that the pH is 7.53. The CO2 is 54 and the bicarb is 39.
1: Okay. So let's look at the pH. Is that showing us an alkalosis, an acidosis, or is it normal?
0: So this is definitely an alkalotic pH. Yep. And then we would move on to talk about the CO2.
1: Okay. So CO2 is 54. So that's going to be high.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And then the bicarb is 39, which is also pretty high. Okay. Which one matches the alkalotic pH?
1: So the high bicarb, which is alkalotic in its nature, matches Mm -hmm. the alkalosis. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. But the CO2 is also high, right? Yep. So um, the, our fifth and final step is always to look at the other number and see if there's compensation occurring. So the elevation in your CO2 is your indicator that there is compensation occurring. And so this is not an acute process.
1: Yep. You have a metabolic alkalosis mm-hmm. with respiratory compensation.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: so what's this diagnosis?
0: It's pyloric stenosis.
1: That's right. And what's the physical exam finding that apparently you said you've seen once, I've never actually seen it.
0: (laughs) So you feel a palpable olive-like mass just kind of under the xiphoid process that I have felt one time. That's pretty cool. Um, But it is always present on the boards, even if it isn't present in real life. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, okay, this next scenario, let's say we are an overnight resident and we're cross-covering a medically complex, trach vent dependent, ex-premie. He is six months old. He's chronically G-tube fed on chronic diuretics for BPD, um, and he's admitted for tracheitis. So this is a patient who um, the nurse reaches out to you and tells you that he's had a couple of brief desats overnight, but he's self-recovered every time. She says she's got his scheduled daily blood gas and is worried about the result. Okay. So what's our blood gas?
1: All right. So we see the pH is 7.37. The CO2 is 54. The bicarb is 32. So 7.37. Is that showing an alkalosis, an acidosis, or is that within the normal range?
0: 7.37, that's a normal pH.
1: That's right. It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's go on to the next one. So CO2, 54. That's definitely high.
0: Yep. Definitely high.
1: All right. And then the bicarb is 32. That's also high. Yep. So what's going on? We have a normal pH. but We have a derangement in both of those other numbers. That's kind of weird.
0: It is kind of weird. And like we were mentioning before, you know, your compensation will never fully bring you back to a normal pH. And so that's your indicator that this child probably has multiple processes going on that are causing those other numbers to be slightly outside the range for normal. Um, This is a chronically... Um, ill child who has tracheitis. So he's got acute and chronic respiratory failure, chronic CO2 retention that's leading to a chronic respiratory acidosis. In addition to that, this is a child who has bronchopulmonary dysplasia, likely related to prematurity, um, chronically on diuretics, which can lead to a metabolic alkalosis. So when I look at this pH, if it's in the middle of the night, I really wouldn't be too worried. You know, like this is a child who has good explanations for the findings that you see on that blood gas. The pH is normal. And I think that in this scenario, if the nurse reaches out to you, you would always go assess the patient. Um, But this is not a blood gas that would make me super, super nervous. Would you agree with that?
1: I totally agree with that. And it's really all about the patient. Uh, the patient's history, and then the clinical appearance of the patient. So you have to look at all those things, put it into context, and then figure out what the gas is telling you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, So let's let's kind of switch this scenario a little bit, and let's say that instead of that blood gas, you get this blood gas. This pH is 7.30, the CO2 is 65, and the bicarb is 27.
1: Okay. So we have this chronic uh, child who's got PPD, who's trach vent dependent, who's on diuretics and has a pH of 7.3. Okay. So is that an acidosis, an alkalosis, or is that normal?
0: So 7.3, that is an acidosis. The lower limit of normal is 7.35. This is a little below that. So we would call this an acidosis.
1: Yep. And then the CO2 is 65. So Uh, The last time on this child, it was 54, 65. That's quite a bit higher. So that, that to me is a little bit concerning.
0: Right. And that's kind of indicative of this child maybe retaining a little bit of CO2.
1: Yep. Maybe a little bit more than we'd like. Mm -hmm. And then we go ahead and look at the bicarb and the bicarb is 27.
0: Okay. So the bicarb is at the upper limit of normal, but still within range for normal.
1: Yep. So what do we think's going on here?
0: So the of the two numbers, of the CO2 and the bicarb, the CO2 matches the acidosis, um, and that tells me that this is a child who may have acute worsening of their respiratory status, uh, retention of CO2, and as a result, a respiratory acidosis. So if we remember, um, this is a child who's admitted for tracheitis. They had a couple of brief desats overnight you know, this could be your first red flag that this is a child who's not going in the right direction. Afterward, you would look, of course, at your bicarb to see if there is compensation occurring. And uh, the bicarb is at the upper limit of normal, but still within the range for normal. And so I would say this is an acute blood gas, an acute change. Yeah,
1: I think this is an acute on chronic change. And it's something I'd be concerned about and make sure I go see this patient.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, And I think that's really helpful, right, because you really have to take the numbers that you're given in the context of the patient. Um, We have the exact same patient and two different blood gases. And so you can kind of see how your blood gas really affects the way you care for your patients and, you know, how worried you are about them.
1: That's right. Um, And that wasn't too bad, right?
0: Yeah, wasn't too bad. it's It's a useful tool. Um, And I think that after this discussion, we can all breathe a little easier when we're handed that little slip of paper.
1: No pun intended.
0: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So thank you, Dr. Greenkey, for being here. Um, I think this was a really good, useful discussion and something that a lot of our uh, future residents and interns can use moving forward.
1: Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun.
0: As a reminder, we do have outlines for every episode and I will be posting them on mdnotified.com. So if you are more of a visual learner um, and you want to kind of sit down with these blood gases and mull them over a little bit more, um, that can be a helpful resource for you. Again, it's mdnotified.com. Thank you all for being here and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to MD Notified, a pediatric podcast. References to the information sourced in this episode can be found in the Quick Notes outline, which is available on mdnotified.com. The contributors to MD Notified have no financial disclosures or conflicts of interest. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals in today's episode and do not represent any other organizations or its employees. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. This podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice or services. If you are a member of the general public and have questions, please make an appointment with your local board-certified pediatrician.